sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Greetings to all in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here with you all. I bring you greetings from Gospel Light. Our love and care is to you all. Maybe you could pause for a word of prayer here before we begin. Yes, Lord, we just turn to you. You are our hope, our joy. You love us, you care for us, and we are your children. And Father, we want to be faithful to you. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and might. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be an encouragement to us all here today that in our time together here, our time of looking to you, looking to your word, Father, that you would direct us, guide us, help me as I speak. I pray in me that you endue me with power and understanding, wisdom, and Lord, to just be able to speak what you've laid on my heart. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to just open maybe with a little illustration to just draw our 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 minds into what I have to share here today. I'd like for you to imagine a a military encampment that's on top of a hill. And down below in the valley is a war that's waging, raging. And up in the military camp as a young man who ought to be reporting to duty, but instead he is pacing the ground in the camp and he's wringing his hands He knows what he ought to be doing, but he lacks the courage, he's fearful, and to do the duty that is before him, he draws back, and he doesn't have the courage to to go forth. Other young men, his age, his equal are down fighting, but he is, he's not. And this young man could be derided, he could be scolded, he could be told, you're you're a coward, you need to report to do your your job, you know, go out to to battle. And chances are, he still wouldn't have the strength, he still wouldn't have it within him to to go forth and do what what he needs to do. But I want you to imagine what would happen if, if his commander came riding in the camp there on his horse. And he saw this young man pacing the ground. And he comes up to him, and he looks down from his horse, and he, he says, young man, what are you doing here? And the young man would just probably just look down. He, he can't tell this commanding officer the truth. He can't tell him that he's got fear in his heart. He can't tell him that he... He's neglecting his duty, so he just looks down. 
or what the commanding officer told him, young man, you know, I thank you for, you know, joining the effort here. You know, and I, I have confidence in you, young man, and I need you. I need you to come with me. I want you to come and fight alongside with me. I have great confidence in your strength, in your ability. I want you to come. I believe that is a picture of reality. That is a picture of a young man that could suddenly turn from a cowardly attitude to one that would plunge into battle, not fearing his life, not fearing the guns, not fearing the blood, not fearing the noise. He would be willing to do anything to give his very own life for, for his officer there or for the duty that is before him. And what is the thing that happened in his heart? It's a little thing of courage. You know, you give a man courage, and he will attempt anything. He will perform, he will try and do everything to his very level best. And the opposite is true. You discourage a man, and he won't be able to lift his head. He won't be able to perform the duty that is before him. He'll be too discouraged. But you instill courage in him. And maybe, largely speaking, more to the men. I know women need courage as well. They need to be encouraged. But men, I think courage is something in a man's heart that will that will cause him to lay down his life for whatever the duty is that is before him. Brothers, we need courage. We need courage because the task before us is great. All of us, speaking again to you, to you brothers, you men, All of you have responsibilities, you have duties, you have things that God has entrusted you with. And you need the courage to be able to stand up every day and to to do the will, to perform what God has called you to do. When we turn to the book of Joshua, just to to open up this this thought here, in the first chapter of Joshua, we, we, we now come to the place that that Moses has left the scene. He's had Joshua help him. And now, and now Joshua is faced with a monumental task of taking the land that God had promised them. There had been an attempt made 40 years earlier. And that attempt failed because of, can we say, a lack of courage. A lack of believing God. You know, these, these men came back from spying out the land, and they, they quailed and said, you know, this is too big for us. The job is too big. This place is full of giants. There, there is no way we're going to be able to take this land. So now, 40 years later, I don't think all these giants have died out. They haven't. The, the job is still big. The task is still big. And now it's Joshua's uh, leadership and his responsibility to take this land. And I want us to, just to consider the, the words that God is speaking to Joshua. <clears throat> I'll begin in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and from this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the, great, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, And the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you before thee all the days of thy life. As I was was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now here's the charge. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide 
for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So the task is given, the duty is given to Joshua. You are to go take this land, and you are to divide this for the people. The job is still big. And he charges them, be strong and of good courage. Down in verse 7, he says again, only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee to wherever so so ever thou goest. So we have three charges here, three, three encouragements to, for Joshua to be strong, to trust God. I am with you. You know, that is, that is the place that we must also stand. We must believe that God is with us. I mean, if we're out of God's place, we can't expect that we can have courage. But if we are in God's way, if we are doing what God is asking us to do, then we also need to take courage like Joshua is taking courage here. Yes, the, the obstacles, yes, what I am embarking to do may be difficult. It may be, seem impossible. But God is promising, I am with you. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Go take this land. And the blessing in this, in this whole account here, yes, Joshua, the leader, He is to take the charge. He is to lead the people. And in the closing of this chapter, in verse 18, you know, the people are now speaking to Joshua. Uh, Go back, back to 17. According as we have hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, in that thou hast commandest him, he shall surely be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. So, firstly, we see God speaking to Joshua, telling him to be of courage. And then you have the people turning to Joshua and saying, be strong and be of good courage. You know, it is, we do need to receive the courage and the strength from God, but it is, it's also imperative that we receive the same blessing or the same token from, from those who we are to serve. Joshua was to serve the children of Israel there. He was to lead them, and it was a good thing. that They, they, they looked to Joshua and said, this is the man that God had set over us, What God has spoken to you, that we will do. Only you be strong and of good courage. Because we're with you. We're putting our confidence in you. And any leader, whether it's the leader of a church, whether it's the leader of a home, whether it's the leader of a business, is either going to thrive or he's going to be failing depending on the confidence that those that he is to take charge for will put in him. If they put no confidence in him, he will not be able to lead. If they don't have the same confidence that the people had projected on Joshua here and says, be strong and of good confidence. We know God is leading us this way. And you be strong. You take courage to take this land. And we are behind you. People were very united and behind Joshua in the effort. <clears throat> we need courage as men because the, jo- the job, the task that is at hand is great. You remember the, this is a, a good picture to have in our mind. Nehemiah. 
coming to look over the city. He had heard that the city was laying in ruins, the city of Jerusalem. And he begged leave from the king to go look at the city. And so he came to the city, and it was as the report was. The walls were torn down. The whole place was a reproach. It was broken. It was torn to pieces. And Joshua looking over, uh, Nehemiah looking over this city, undoubtedly was weeping in his heart over the destruction that had occurred there. The desolation, the, the place that God had been worshipped, the place that was the, the city, where the temple was, was laying in ruins. But somehow in this, Nehemiah took up a task. He took up a vision to rebuild this. I'm going to rebuild this city, not single-handed. It wasn't going to be him just doing it by himself. But in it, he, he, had, he gained courage that this, this is destroyed. This, this place is in shambles, but we could build it again. We could build up these walls. We could build the temple. We could, we could make this again a habitation for God. And I, I believe Nehemiah took great courage in his heart that, yes, the job is big. This is, this is the case. The, you look around and it's all destroyed. But God, by God's strength, we want to rebuild it. You know, I think the same job, the same duty, the same task is before us. And I think back 20-some years you know, the beginning of charity and, and the kind of the stirrings that, that took place. You had, you had people that were in very formal settings and uh, dead religion, whatever you want to call it. It was just, you know, there was, no, there was not, no life. And they were coming out of that to vibrancy and to life and to an excitement for the Lord. And on the other extreme, you had people that were in, in Protestant or, or just lukewarm churches you know that you know the word was preached but it was without any real practical outworking there was no practical application made and i think these two groups of people came together and there there was a there was a desire to seek the lord there was a desire again to build i i see this picture of what nehemiah is doing he's looking at the city it is laying in ruins and and they came together to build up these walls. They came together for a vision to build again that which was in shambles. And so I thank God for the courage. I thank God for, for the vision of, of, you know, 20-some years ago of Brother Denny, Brother Mose, of, of those early pioneers that, that had a vision in the heart to build and to, to establish uh, God's purpose, God's church. Um, and I think many, many good things came out of it. You had, you had fathers who looked to, to their home, they looked to their children. You know, there was, a, there was a revival that happened of, you know, fathers' hearts turning to their children and, and to their homes and, you know, giving up, giving up whatever occupations, whatever preoccupations, whatever, whatever it took to, to seek the Lord. There was a desire to, to build the church. There was a desire for holiness. Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. Thy love, let it my heart overpower, and all my simple soul devour. A song by Charles Wesley, just the line, to to build thy house again. You know, to have a people, to have uh, men that will take up the, the task that Nehemiah took up and build. This place is in ruins, but I'm going to build it. I'm going to build up the walls that are torn down. The place that is our desolate, I'm going to build them up for God's glory. That was his heart. It wasn't for, you know, that I would be a king, but it was for God's glory that he was going to build up this, this city. 
And I'd like to say that in the, in the time, you know, going back to, to the vision that was established, I think over the course of years, discouragement did set in, disillusionment did set in, in many, in many ways in our churches. And the discouragement and disillusionment leads to a stopping, a hindering of the work. Discouragement is death to vision. If you want to kill vision, if you want to kill a visionary, you discourage him. You, you just get him to disillusionment. And whatever vision, whatever purpose that he was driving at, it's gone. So we need we need great courage, and I, I think there is there is a a certain sense that we have when I say we. I, I just I, I mean we as churches, perhaps we as individuals, as maybe even in the bigger sense of things, the Church of God has been demoralized, has been brought to a place of. Uh, Irrelevance. Any army that's out in the field that is demoralized, that is discouraged from fighting, will probably never lead in victory. Will probably never, never proceed and to take the battle, to take the victory. It's been shown time again that that even though an army could have superior numbers, they can be beaten. If that army is demoralized, if they're discouraged, if they feel that what they're fighting for isn't worth it, they'll lose. They'll lose every time. But on the flip side, if you take an army that is encouraged, you take an army that believes in their cause, they're practically unstoppable. It was... Napoleon and his army, they were practically unstoppable everywhere they went. Hardly anybody could stop Napoleon. And part of the dynamic there was Napoleon himself and his, his ability to relate with his troops, his ability to um, rouse up his troops, to rally behind him to fight together with him. And they began, you know, they, they had a course that they were on that, were, that were, they, were hard to, they were hard to defeat because they believed in Napoleon, they believed in his cause, and they were willing to fight for him. But you demoralize them and they will not be able to fight. We have, a, we have an account of the children of Israel at the time when Saul was king, that the Philistines had so harassed the children of Israel that there were, it says that there was not even a file in Israel that they could sharpen the implements. If they had farming implements that they needed to be sharpened, they had to take them down to the Philistines to sharpen them because the Philistines didn't want them to have any weapons of war. The children of Israel were demoralized. They were in such a place that they were in continual harassment. You know, the Philistines would come in there and pillage and they would steal, and the, you know, the, the children of Israel could do nothing. What were they doing? They were hiding in the, in the, in the holes in the ground, in the caves. They were, they were retreating. They were in a place of, uh, not offensive, they weren't, they weren't going out and attacking. They weren't going out and engaging the Philistines. They were afraid. They were drawing back. They were hiding. They were demoralized. They weren't marching forward anymore. But an interesting dynamic happened when, when we, we see the courage of one man, Jonathan, and his armor bearer, who scaled the hill to fight this garrison of the Philistines. And, and him and his armor bearer, you know, they were able to drive and push them back. And that caused such a commotion that the children of Israel heard what was going on. And it 
instilled and inspired courage in their heart, and out they came pouring from wherever they were hiding to give the chase. And that day, you know, they took courage in their hearts. I think they were beaten back. I think they were at the place where we're we're lost, we're doomed. There's no way we can stand up against the Philistine. But in just a moment, they forgot all about that. And they took chase to the Philistines and they drove them back. We need that same courage, that same ability to overcome. Because our, our job is big. Our duties are big. <clears throat> Go back to Nehemiah and consider him for a moment. You know, in the, in the job that he was to take up, he immediately had adversaries that wanted him to stop that work. There was Tobias, Sambalot. I believe there was others that, that tried to stop him. At first, they were just trying to draw him away from the work. You know, don't, you know why don't you come over here and talk to us? And, and he refused. And then they, they threatened him by force. And when that didn't work, they finally sent letters to put fear in their hearts, you know, bring accusations. Because if we can put fear in the hearts of these people that are taking up this task of building the wall, they'll stop. But he refused to hear. And I think that's a picture of us, of us men, of us that are in leadership. And as men, we are in leadership. We are in leadership of homes and businesses and churches. You know, that we be very careful in, in the things that could bring discouragement. You know, Nehemiah had the obstacles. He had Sanballat and Tobiah. He himself stayed encouraged in that he, he, he wouldn't listen, but he also protected those around him from, being, from that discouragement because of these letters that San or I think it was Tobias in this case, was sending out, could have fallen to the ears of the people. They would have just given up. You know, he's, he's going to send a letter to the king that we're, we're trying to you know, do some insurrection here and put up a king. And, and the king is going to just come and stop this work. And, you know, we can't have that. Well, Nehemiah was careful in, in that. And, and I, I believe he, he had wisdom there just to protect himself, protect his own heart from discouragement and also the hearts of the people to keep them, to keep their hearts in good courage. <clears throat> we have great responsibilities. That's why we need courage. We have a, a big job before us. We have the church. We have our families. We have big responsibilities. And, and there are, there's possibilities of failure. There are possibilities for failure. In Hebrews twelve fifteen, it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. There's possibilities that a root of bitterness will rise up and many be defiled, that that we're turned away from, from the task and the work that God has, has caused us or put us into. And we fail. Have we heard of families that have failed? Have we heard of men that, you know, maybe they left, they just got discouraged and they just left home? Have we heard of you know, maybe a woman, you know, ends up, you know, just all, for whatever reason, leaving home. Maybe children. This isn't worth it anymore. I'm, I'm leaving. That's failing the grace of God, is it not? It's, is it not just drawing back? Is it not just going back?
When you think of church relationships, you know, it's, it can be much the same way. Just give up. Give up on relationships. Just, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Don't want to do this anymore. You know, we can, in a business, you know, a business can, you can look at, at something and, and come to, to some hard logic and say, well, you know, this is not profitable for our business any longer. We're just not going to do this anymore. We're just going to cut it off. And we're just going to stop. You know, this past week, I, my supervisor was telling me that there's a, one of our competitors uh, in business ended up stopping some initiative that they, that they have poured millions of dollars into. And they just decided it wasn't worth pursuing any longer. And they're, they're just going to stop doing that. Imagine putting a million dollars into something, then just saying, it's not worth it. it we're not going to pursue that any longer. You know, a million dollars is a million dollars, but, but think of, of brothers walking together. Think of re- any relationship that you, that you can think of. There's a possibility for us to get to the place to say, it's not worth it anymore. It is just too difficult. I'm not going to pursue it any longer. And just stop. Brothers and sisters, we need courage to pursue and to continue these relationships. Recently, I was reading in Hebrews there, just a little phrase that, you know, and it's actually an entire verse. Let brotherly love continue. And I mused on that for a while, and I was like, well, that's interesting. Let brotherly love continue. What does it mean? And in my mind, I, I view it as such like, you know, I, I, I've been around you brothers for some time. I know some of you fairly well. Some of you I don't know so well. Uh, but I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with you. I don't know your ins and outs. You know, I can... I, I can probably speak of, of positive, good things. You know, Brother Elvin, you know, uh, uh, Zealous, Earl, you know, Enthusiasm. Uh, Brother Larry, you know, Wisdom and, you know, Loves the Word. Randall, a visionary. And I can, I can speak those things and not knowing you very well. But what if I'm here amongst you every day and I begin to see, oh, Elvin, well, yeah, Zell, Zealous, mm-hmm. And Earl, enthusiasm, yeah, mm-hmm. Let it continue. We have, most of the time when we meet somebody, we probably have some positive viewpoints of somebody. But as we work with them, as we dwell with them, as we live with them, as we work together with in the body after a while it's like you know that brother is starting to get under my skin and the encouragement in Hebrews is let brotherly love continue on continue on and you can take that to any any relationship let it continue we I think scripture it knows our nature. It knows, it knows how we're formed. And we can very easily delude ourselves. And we can, we can begin to put excuse ourselves why we can't do, why we can't let brotherly love continue. Why, why we can't get along with our wife. You know, the scripture says, husbands love your wives. And if you don't love your wife, what is going to happen? Your prayers are going to be hindered, right? Well, I can find reasons why I should not love my wife. But coming back to the scripture, the scripture tells me I should love my wife. There's no, there's no rational excusing that thing. But we can. 
we can't excuse ourselves from what we ought to be doing. You know, children, honor your parents. Honor your father and mother. Oh, I can't do that because... Because why? Because I, I have reasons. You should, should try and live with them. No. The scripture just gives us the simple, this is what you ought to be do. And we, we try and weasel around it. You know, the, the sharp word that John, in the epistles of John, speaks that if we say that we love God and we don't love our brother, what does he call us? A liar. You know, doesn't that take away our rationale, our excusing of ourselves? If the scripture says, no, you're lying. You're lying. Stop lying to yourself. Because we can. It's very easy for us to lie to ourselves. And to excuse us why we, we should or we shouldn't do this. So the encouragement is, let's not grow weary in our relationships. Let's not draw back. Because when we draw back, many are defiled. You know, when, when somebody walks away from the faith, when somebody walks away from a home, from a church, many are defiled. They're discouraged. They're, they're disillusioned. Well, what did all this mean anyway? I might as well just give up to have also like to maybe just speak here we have an adversary that is trying to stand in our way to try and block us to try and hinder us I mentioned Nehemiah but we have the adversary the devil who is continually if I decide to go this way he is right in front of me trying to hinder me trying to stop me and I I have personally never seen my adversary. I have never seen Satan, the devil, face to face that I could recognize. You are Satan. Have any of you? Yet, the scripture tells us that he is our adversary. That he is one that is continually accusing us and trying to hinder us. And the means by which he does it is through people. Because I have never seen, I have never seen the devil. And I'm not saying that people in my life are the devil, but it's, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's when we are not walking in the light, when we're not walking in reality with God, that we begin to oppose each other. And it is it is giving place to the devil. It is giving place where where we could hinder a brother. You know, others could hinder me because they're not walking in the spirit. And in that way, you know, Satan has an advantage of us. Be not ignorant of his devices. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need courage because of obstacles. You know, this vision that we have, the task that we undertake, it's great, it's big, and we will face obstacles, we will face difficulties. There are going to be hardships that come our way that 
that will cause us to get discouraged and wonder, you know, why, why am I in this place? How did I get here? Did I even see right in the first place to ever even embark on this journey? You think of David, David running for his life from, from Saul. Hunted like a flea, like a dog. And coming to a place of, of having no, no place that he, he, I'm sure he, wanted, he would have wanted to be home with his, uh, with his family. And, and there he was in the wilderness. Very discouraging times, undoubtedly. But I think of this one event where, where David and his men are out. They're out fighting and they come back. And as they were, as they were out, the Amalekites had come along and, and totally stripped their entire camp, taking everything, taking all their servants, all their wives, all their children. And David and his men come to this scene, and everything is gone. And they realize what has happened. And it says, all the men wept until there was no strength left to weep. You talk about despair. You talk about coming to the end of, of everything. You know, here's, here's grown men. Here's men who are, who are used to running out into battle. And, and, you know, great, strong, courageous men. And they're broken. They're so discouraged. They're, so, they're in so, so deep despair that they look to David and says, you know, they, they wanted to stone David. David has his own discouragement, if you will. He lost everything, too. And what does David do? You know, the men are looking to stone him. He's lost everything. You know, the scripture tells us after this happened, the, the, that it says David went and encouraged himself in the Lord. He found courage in the Lord. And what is it that he did that he found courage, that he found the ability to stand up and, and lift his head and square his shoulders and says, men, let's go. What is it that he did? Perhaps there's many practical things that we can do to encourage ourselves, but I just maybe look to David here for a moment. You know, David, it says he called for Abiathar to bring the ephod. He he began to seek direction from the Lord. He turned his face toward the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? Perhaps this was a time that David had grown disillusioned. You know, we had to read his whole incident there with the Philistines and feigning himself mad. And maybe he had drawn back from God. And just, I don't know why I'm in, these, in this predicament. I, I don't know what it is, but we see here that David turned his face again towards the Lord, and he sought the Lord and says, Lord, what shall we do? And the Lord gave him a clear answer. Go, go after the Amalekites. And he did, and they, they, they were able to get everything back that was taken. And it's a, it's a good, happy ending. but is it always that happy and always that good with us? Do we always find that encouragement when, we, when the oppression comes, when the, when the difficulty comes our way, do we always find that same encouragement that David found? In Psalm 40, it says, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. This very well, I don't know if this is exactly the, the incident that caused David to write this or caused this to come out of his heart, but it certainly, it certainly points to that. It certainly points to, you know, I was in deep straits. I was in a hard place. I was in a place where uh, I didn't know how I was going to get through it. But the Lord helped me. The Lord was my courage, and he, and he gave me direction, and, he, and he, he brought me up out of this horrible pit that I was in. 
and he established my goings. You know, it brings courage and faith to the heart. You know, we do need courage because things don't always go the way we anticipate them going. Just read here in Psalm chapter 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art the shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. The lifter of my head. You know, when others say there's no help, when others say, you know, you're, you're kind of in a hard place and you're not going to be able to get out of it. It says the Lord is my shield. He is my help. He is the lifter of my head. The picture that comes to my mind of a lifter of my head is, is you have, you know, a man that's walking down a pathway and, and for whatever reason, his heart is discouraged. He's let down and his, naturally his head just hangs. His head is down because he is, he finds no reason to lift his head. But his friend comes along from the opposite way. And he sees that his head is down and he just comes and he just gently lifts his head. Brother, friend, lifts his chin. Look up. He is the lifter of our head. When our head wants to fall down because it is heavy, because we're discouraged, God wants to lift it up. God wants to lift it up. And we can, we can be the lifter of our brother's head as well. We can be the one that can bring courage to our brother to, to be able to lift his head when he is discouraged, when he is going through a hard time. We see it. We know it. It's not hard to, it's not hard to look at somebody and say, well, that brother is discouraged. I don't know what happened. I don't know what transpired. Well, that brother isn't walking with courage. He is discouraged. And how can we be the lifter of our brother's head? I believe we can speak words of affirmation, words of courage to somebody when they are discouraged. You know, to speak to them about their, you know, maybe their prior steadfastness, their faithfulness, their, their virtue that we have observed in their life, just to speak it to them. You know, brother, you know, I know it's hard right now, but I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by your faith. I'm encouraged by your zeal. I'm encouraged by, you know, and at this point, they're not feeling any of that. They're just discouraged. But they can be spoken to in a way that will rekindle that flame within their hearts to, again, to pick up, yes, you know, that zealous course that I was on, that's what I desire. That's what I want to be on. Right now, I feel pushed back, but, you know, just like the young man at the beginning here that's discouraged, that doesn't want to uh, run out into the battle. You give him courage, and he will run out in the battle. And you give a man courage when he is discouraged. He is going to be able to, to rise up. He is going to be able to make decisions. He is going to make hard decisions. You know, as men, when we, get, when we get discouraged, when we get dismayed, you know, decisions need to be made. What do we do? Are we on top of it then? No, we just tend to just back away from the decisions that need to be made because we're, we're not at a place of strength. We're not at a place of, of great leadership. But rather, we want to pull away and draw back. So... We need to encourage one another to put a hand on somebody else's shoulder. God bless you, brother. I believe in you, brother. Take courage. You know, when we can, when we can speak those words to, to another brother, it can be the lifter of their head. When we can believe in somebody when nobody else believes in them, 
know, I spoke earlier about writing people off, writing brothers off, or whoever. You know, I think that's, that's a possibility that's probably in all of our hearts, is the ability just to... Uh, I don't believe in that brother anymore. Or I have cause to doubt his motives. I have cause to doubt him. You know, I, I think of the example of Barnabas in the, in the book of Acts. You know, I don't know how many times this was part of Barnabas's life, but he, he was called the son of consolation, so I think that was just his very nature. But f- we first see it when he took up Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, who was, who was the arch enemy of the church, if you will, who was persecuting and, and having you know, men and women committed to prison and put to death. And Barnabas heard a good word or believed in Saul. And I believe he was the first one that believed in Saul, believed in his true conversion. And he was able to speak up for Paul and says, no, this brother is, this brother is true. He's right. And later on, his, I believe it was his nephew, John Mark, when Paul you know, there was obviously an incident in John Mark's life that Paul says, you know, we can't go with us. He's not faithful. He's not, he's not one that, that, that we can put confidence in. And, and though it caused Barnabas and Paul to separate, yet Barnabas took up John Mark, took up his cause, put his hand on his shoulder, and believed in him to the place that John Mark later became an asset to Paul. Because I believe Barnabas had confidence in him. <clears throat> we can take courage. I believe we take courage when we see the faithfulness in others. When we see others that are standing faithful. That are, that are encouraged. That are walking in strength. Uh, we see uh, Elijah's discouragement. You know, after... After Jezebel, you know, all these great things happened in Mount Carmel. You know, all the prophets of Baal are killed, and, and, and then Jezebel threatens Elijah, and it says that Elijah ran and he hid himself in a cave, and he became very discouraged. And there's something that Elijah said when, when he was speaking to God, and he says, I only... If you read that account there, there's a number of times that Elijah said, I only, I only, I'm the only one that's left. I'm the only one that's that's faithful anymore. Everybody in Israel has turned their back on you. They've killed all the other prophets. I only am left. And it was a discouragement to Elijah. But God assured Elijah you're not the only one left. I have reserved for myself how many? Forget the number of it. 7,000? I have reserved for myself. You're not the only one left. It may seem like that, Elijah. And sometimes it may seem like that to us too. You're, you know, I'm the only one that seems to care. I'm the only one that seems to have this vision, this burden, this, this zeal, and nobody else does. But God has reserved for himself those I would say lastly we we need to take courage by looking at our great commander the Lord Jesus Christ you know the same way you know a, a military leader will will be able to rouse his troops. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ should be able to rouse us and be able to get us to the place of battle, to be able to uh, encourage us and to, to give us fresh zeal. You know, there's, I'll just share a brief account. It, it was in, uh, I forget the year, but there was uh, an army that had come into, into Rome. This was when the Roman Empire was, um, I don't think it was early on. I think it was somewhere in the middle anyway. The, 
the city of Rome was, you know, an army had come and set fire to the city of Rome. And somehow it, it undid the Romans. You know, they, they kind of just lost their, you know, before they had been very uh, formidable foe, they, you know, they could stand up against anybody. And somehow when their home city was burned, you know, it just, it took the sap out of them and they, they didn't have any strength any longer. And everybody began to take advantage of it. Everybody in the Italian peninsula began to rebel against the Roman authority. You know, they saw this now as an opportunity. You know, Rome isn't what they used to be. I think we can, we can take up our arms against them. And so many did. And it seemed like the Roman army was unable to, to, to gain the victory again. And, you know, they, they'd send out their legions like they did before, and they were beaten. And they came to this one place where, where this, uh, this group of people was rebelling, and they, and they tried to uh, <clears throat> bring it back under control, and the Romans were losing. They were losing very badly. And they were retreating. And about that time, a general whom they all revered, whom they all were inspired by, showed up at the scene. You know, these were retreating Romans. But this general comes in, and it just, in just no time at all, he turned everybody back, took his whole army, and turned them back, and they were able to get a victory that day. In just moments before, they were retreating. They were scared. They were like, what are we fighting for? And a general shows up who was able to inspire courage, who was able to inspire a cause in their hearts. And he, he, it, it, it just turned the whole tide of the battle. You know, we have a captain... You know, we're not in the battle all by ourselves. He's, he didn't leave us here just to, well, see if he can figure it out and see what you can do. He is ever living to make intercession for us. He is ever living to, to be with us, to, to give us the strength, to give us the courage. To uh, In Hebrews it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set down, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is Jesus Christ, despising the shame, despising that cross, that way. He, everything that was in Jesus was repulsed by this cross because the cross represented you know, first of all, they represented shame. You know, to die on a Roman cross was a place of shame. It wasn't, it, it didn't even have the dignity of a gallow. A cross was just cruel shame. So it had the shame that was associated. It had the, the stigma of, of being a criminal. And furthermore, it meant that that him dying on the cross, that all the sin of the whole world would be hurled on him, that he would become sin for us, and he despised that. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured. And I think we can take courage too when we, set, when we believe the joy that is set before us. We can also rally the troops again. We can also strengthen the feeble hands. We can, we can pull up again because there's joy set before us. There's a, there's a way, there's a captain, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is, he is enlisted us, he has charged us, he has given us to do, and he has gone before us, and he ever stands with us. And so, so with that, we can stand, and we can endure Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. When we get weary and faint in our minds, consider him. 
Consider him Jesus Christ. Because he was willing, and we are we're all grateful to his sacrifice. He was willing to drink that bitter, bitter cup and not turn back. And so likewise we should be faithful. We we should also take great courage and not turn back. Lord bless you.